Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right. Good morning again, everybody. Good morning. Hey, can we thank Jose and the band for leading us in worship? Can we honor them? Thank you, team. It is good to see your faces again here today. For those of you who feel comfortable coming back, for those of you who are in touch with people in your small group or your Sunday school class who are not yet comfortable coming back, that's okay. Keep telling them to worship online. We're just trying to provide options while we're trying to move forward in this progress all together. Hey, um, and speaking of that, I want to just take a minute and thank everybody here at the East Campus. Uh, I want to just, moment of privilege here, I want to thank you for your flexibility, everybody. Um, When we came out of COVID to start meeting again physically for worship, we knew that COH Espanol could not meet in the fellowship hall anymore um, because of social distancing. The chapel has some major um, health issues, like we shouldn't put human beings in there. And, uh, and so that meant that they had to come in here, which means we had to move some of our worship time. So for you guys to be flexible to move from 10.30 to 9, uh, can I just say from the bottom of my heart and Pastor Dale's heart, thank you. Thank you for being flexible for the sake of the gospel, okay? Good? Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate that. So, uh, hey, I, uh, speaking of all that, let's move, well, not speaking of all, let's move on from all that. Uh, I am really excited about today because I love that clip there where it's a comedian named John Mulaney. He's very funny. Um, he's not entirely clean. You might not want to go look it up later. But he has this amazing bit about Back to the Future. How many of you love the movie Back to the Future? Yeah, it's such a great movie. Everybody's seen it. It's a classic. One, two, and three are all on Netflix. Go ahead and put the graphic up, guys. Uh, I just absolutely love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time growing up. Uh, Back to the Future, it's grown in such esteem, and it's now considered to be among the greatest films of the 1980s, one of the best science fiction films ever made, and one of the greatest films of all time. Get this, in 2007, the Library of Congress selected... Uh, the film for preservation in the National Film Registry, calling it a culturally, historically, or sig- uh, aesthetically significant movie. Um, it's considered by many film scholars to have the perfect script. Like when you go off to film school, they will have- only read the script for Back to the Future and say, this is how you do it. It's a classic. It was only budgeted uh, to be made under $19 million, but it grossed to 388 million dollars. It was a smash commercial success with its effect on pop culture and dedicated fan following. The success of the franchise launched multimedia stuff, including an animated TV show, video games, comic books, board games, clothing, music, books, food, toys, collectibles, and even theme park rides that I am still mad at Universal for taking away. Anybody remember Back to the Future of the Ride in Universal? Best ride in Orlando. What'd they replace it with? The Simpsons. Get that noise out of here. This is like my favorite. I think since they took that away, I haven't been back. Take that universal. Fine. You know, whatever. So it was, it's such a fun, fun movie. Everybody loves it. Now here's what we all learned about Back to the Future. We learned the whole plot of all the movies, one, two, and three, is this. That if you don't deal with your past in the right way, it's going to mess up your future. If you don't deal with your past the right way, 
it will mess up your future. This is what we're talking about today. We are a couple weeks into our series that we're calling Come Alive. Everyone say that with me. Come Alive. And we are talking about the deeper work that God can do inside of us, a deep transformative work that God longs to do. I was here a few weeks ago and we talked about uh, the analogy of an iceberg and how all icebergs, no matter the size of them, the top 10% of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg is always sticking out. It's the bottom 90 that is always below the surface. And it's the temptation of every person who longs to follow Jesus to only let the grace of God transform the tip of the iceberg, the top 10% of our lives, what's visible to everybody else and even to ourselves, but what's under the surface, what's going on internally, where only divine eyes can see. The temptation is to leave that untransformed, untouched by the incredible love and grace of God through Jesus. And so we're saying in this series that it's so vitally important that you not only focus on your spiritual health, on your spiritual growth, on your relationship with God, but we're also saying that you have to let what's happening in your spiritual life transfer over and affect your emotional health as a human being. You have to do both. You can't be the person who comes to church on Sunday, raises your hands, sings loudly, and then walks out the door and treats everybody like garbage the rest of the week. You can't do that. We don't want to, uh, Pastor Dale said this a couple weeks ago, and I just love this. He said, so let's say you're a jerk, and you're a jerk who ends up discovering the love of Jesus, and you get saved. What are you immediately after you get saved? You're a saved jerk. Simple enough math. The point of what we're talking about is to let what's happening with all this Jesus stuff to sink down into the surface and do a deeper level of healing. That maybe, just maybe, the work of Jesus that he accomplished on the cross to forgive the sins of all mankind and reconcile us to the Father, that maybe what he wants to do is not just forgive us for our sins, but maybe he wants to do healing work inside of us from what our sins and the sins of others have done to us. When we put these two things together, that our emotional well-being and our spiritual health together, we come alive. This is what we're talking about. And so we're going to have a conversation today about our past. Um, We started off our series by talking about how to know yourself. And then we talked last week about how to become yourself with Pastor Dale, which I heard you guys had church last week in here with Pastor Dale. My goodness. Um, We talked last week about how to become yourself. So today we're going to talk about our past. We're going to talk about that. Now let's go at this a little. And I want to open your guys' ideas to how if you don't address your past, it will mess up your future. If you don't address your past, you're not going to be able to come alive like we're talking about in this series. If you don't properly deal with it, it will mess up your future, even though it's behind you. And sometimes the only way to go forward is to go back. Listen to some of this. Uh, This is author Ruth Haley Barton, and she gives a few examples of people who have not dealt properly with their past and how it's impacting their future. Listen to this. Perhaps there's a person whose father was stern and demanding and who never heard an unconditional I love you. And he finds himself on a performance treadmill, always working unconsciously to gain approval and a sense of self. 
The drivenness that results can become a debilitating source of exhaustion. Or maybe there's another person who was raised in a punishing environment where there was an inordinate emphasis on being good and behavior develops perfectionistic tendencies that that kept feelings of shame and inadequacy at bay. And the longer this unknowledged is unknowledged, the more this person, he or she, is likely to hurt herself and others with unrealistic expectations and ideals. Maybe there's another person. Maybe you can identify with this. Somebody who's experienced not being wanted, even at conception or birth, and they learn to doubt his or her basic self-worth. And they develop patterns of hiding their real self from others. This person remains distant and aloof because it seems easier than risking even more rejection. Or perhaps there's even another person who has experienced profound loneliness and abandonment and a loss and they have learned to keep busy as a way of avoiding the deep feelings that such experiences bring. And maybe there's even another person who is raised in an emotionally volatile and unpredictable environment. And this person develops a tendency towards fear and undue caution. And consequently, he or she refuses to take the kinds of risks that are necessary to become an emotionally whole person. There are a million different ways that our past can affect us. And what I'm here to tell you today is that no matter your past that you brought in this room this morning, or if you're listening to this on our podcast later on, that if you deal with your past in the right way, with the grace of God and the help of Jesus, it can lead to a future that is full of life and joy and peace. And if you don't deal with it the right way, it will affect your hopes and your dreams for your future. So if you haven't yet, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bible, maybe open up the Bible app on your phone or the COH app for the sermon notes. And uh, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture today that comes from the Old Testament. And we're going to be looking at a very famous story in the Bible. Um, even for those of you who may not be familiar with the Bible, you ever heard of the little old show, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? We're talking about the story of Joseph, which look how colorful our graphic is. It almost fits for Joseph. And so we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 45. We're going to be looking at the, uh, one of the climactic scenes of the life of this character, Joseph, who is the son of Jacob, who is the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham. And so let's look at this together. Chapter 45, verses 1 through 15, and let's dive in. It says this here, Joseph, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to my brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. 
So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I'll provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and everything you have seen and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. So the title of today's message, we're just going to call Back to the Future. Would you pray? Lord Jesus, we ask now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would do what you did for the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that you would open all of our minds to understand the scriptures. And Lord, as we read your word today, would you cause it to read us? Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So this story, if you're familiar with the story of Joseph, um, it's gut-wrenching. It's pretty jacked up, and sometimes if you read the story of Joseph and his family, it'll probably make you feel better about you and your family. Um, it's, uh, It's incredible. It's highly emotional. Every time when we read this story in our long version of the reading plan we have here at our church, we start in Genesis at the beginning of the year, I get deeply emotional, and I get choked up every single time. I read this because of the pain, because of the loss, because of the beauty of the reconciliation, the redemption that happens. Um, It's a heartbreaking story that ends with such beauty it makes tears fill your eyes. It's a wonderful story, but the story of Joseph. Now, Joseph, as we just read, comes from the book of Genesis. If you're new to the scriptures, uh, the book of Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Chapters 1 through 12 Um, start with how everything came into being. It talks about how God created the universe and how God created the earth and how God created humanity. It explains how the earth got the way that it is, broken and fallen and messed up. It's because we, our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose to sin against God with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the first sin and the fall of humanity that threw the world into absolute chaos and disorder. It didn't just start happening in 2020. It's been going all along. It follows through the story of the flood and then other characters in Scripture until it gets to chapter 12 and we are introduced to man where the rest of the Bible will follow the story of his family. It starts with Abraham. Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Jacob has sons and one of them is named Joseph. The story of Joseph starts at chapter 37, uh, where uh, it starts in chapter 37. Literally a quarter of the book of Genesis is dedicated to Joseph. He's on 
vitally important in this book and his story and all that its impact has on all of scriptures. We can clearly see from the book of Genesis and everything that follows that it's the story of this continual cycle of Abraham and his sons and their repeated failures, but God's faithfulness to rescue and bless them and enters the narrative in Genesis that we learn that God has a plan to bless and rescue his rebellious world through Abraham's family. Fast forward many, many years, the descendants of Abraham are the Israelites, and following one of Abraham's sons named Judah comes a man named Jesus, who will be the savior of the whole world, as even as prefigured in Joseph, how he's coming to be a savior and helper to the whole known world at the time. Now, Joseph had a very messy life, as many of us do. Does anybody come in here with not a messy life? Good, great. You're in, we're all in good company here. Now, Joseph has a very messy life, as many of us do. Just like us, his life and his past is often marked by the messiness of often his family of origin and his circumstances. Consider some of this with his broken family. There are these generational repeated patterns of misbehavior and unhealthy things. There's a pattern of lying in each generation of Joseph's family. Abraham lied twice about Sarah being his wife. Jacob lied to almost everybody. Ten of Jacob's sons lied about Joseph's death after they sold him into slavery. There was a generational pattern of favoritism by at least one parent in each generation. Abraham favored Ishmael. Isaac favored Esau. Jacob favored Joseph. There's a pattern of brothers experiencing a cutoff from one another in each generation. Isaac and Ishmael cut off from each other. Uh, Jacob and Esau cut off from each other. Joseph and his brothers cut off from each other. There's a generational pattern of poor intimacy in the marriages of each generation. Abraham had a child out of wedlock with Hagar. Isaac had a bad relationship with Rebecca. Jacob had two wives and two concubines. My goodness, you would think the Bible would be cleaner. It ain't. Life is messy and so is the Bible. And so we see that part of Joseph's past is his family. And so much of your past that you are navigate to varying degrees is your family of origin. Now, all of our families are different. Some of us come from healthier families and some of us come from more broken families. But it impacts your past. We also see from Joseph, not only does he navigate his family of origin, he's also navigating some tragic circumstances that happened to him. It's not just he's had a couple uncomfortable Thanksgiving meals. He's had a lot of pain in his life. Joseph experienced betrayal and life altering events, such as his brothers, like I said, betraying him, selling him into slavery, never to be seen again and covered up their betrayal as a death. Joseph was falsely accused of rape. And Joseph went to prison as an innocent man betrayed by his family, cut off from the father that he loved. And we don't know the exact length that he was in prison, but it was at least 10 to 12 years. So Joseph has been through some things. And embedded here is a great way for us to think about our past. And exactly 
what it is that can help get us free of this stuff that threatens to entangle us so much. Joseph had every reason to let his past define him, embitter him, and to just paint over his life. I've lived a hard life, and that's just it. But that's not the picture of the man we get in the scriptures. And we learn incredibly from Joseph that his life stands as a witness to us and as an example of how to deal with your past in the right way. So maybe you've come in here today and you too are trying to navigate your past. Because here's the truth about past is that everybody has one. We all do. Behind every single one of us is a series of regrets, of poor decisions we made, of bad company we kept, of people who are bad influences on us and we've messed some stuff up. And behind each and every single one of us is also major family of origin issues. Again, to varying degrees, not everybody comes from a broken home, but a lot of us do. And if it's not our own choices or the choices of our family, sometimes it's the choices of other people and tragic events and circumstances that also inform our past. And this is what we learn from Joseph, that if you revisit it the right way, the grace of God can bring deep transformation to you right now and help you walk in life and healing. So here are a few things that we can learn from the life of Joseph. If you're going to visit your past in the right way, here's what you have to do. First off, you have to revisit your past with honesty. If you're taking notes, write this down. You have to revisit your past with honesty. Uh, check this out. In the beginning of chapter 45, we read these verses. We're not going to have it on the screen, but I just want you to hear them. Uh, we learned here that Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. Again, his, he's been reconciled with his brothers. They don't know it's him yet. It's the first time he's seen them in who knows how long. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And listen to this. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. And I love Joseph's posture here. And I think that this is instructive for all of us. That Joseph faced what happened in his past with incredible honesty. I've been around people and I've been around myself enough to the vast majority of folks when we deal with painful things in our past, we'll do a couple of different things. We'll either repress it and shove it down and not think about it or we'll minimize it and say, it's, it's okay. It's not, a, it's not a big deal. It's okay. And what Joseph did not do was either of those. But when Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers, he let out this wave of emotion and just wept and wept and wept, and apparently wept very loudly. You ever walked into a room where something emotional was going down, and you're like, ooh, oh, what is going on here? This is what happened to a lot of what's going on with Pharaoh's attendants and with Joseph's family. He lets down his guard, and he weeps honestly. He grieves openly. He acknowledges that they did sell him into slavery in Egypt. And he does acknowledge the tears and the pain of it all. And that's what many of us have to begin to do. If we're going to navigate our past, you have to first acknowledge what happened to you and acknowledge the pain that it caused you and face it with honesty. 
when I was serving um, in campus ministry at Florida State University, which we'll have a football team again one day, one day, one day. We took this year off. <laughs> There's no such thing as football this year. Um, when I was at Florida State, um, I encountered a lot of broken college students. And there was one in particular, I won't say her name, it's not my, her story isn't a whole lot of my story to tell, but um, I met her because she was harming herself a lot. And uh, one day when we were trying to meet with her to try to help her process her past, we finally got to the nub of the issue, and it's that she got to the very edge of acknowledging abuse that she faced as a young person. And she, right when she got to the very edge of acknowledging it and to acknowledge her abuser and to let the grief come out, fine. She put up a wall, sucked it all in, said, I'm fine, actually. I'm fine. I'm fine. When we do that, we stay stuck with what happened in the past and it messes up our future. Don't do that. Joseph didn't. He faced his past with honesty. For some of you, this might be your first step in your journey of acknowledging the grief of your past. And if that's so, the thing that the Lord would have you do today is to just begin to acknowledge what happened to you and to let come out whatever it may be. If it comes out as anger, if it comes out as tears, if it comes out as pain, Whatever it is, you just need to begin to let it out because this is what people say about grief. The only way out of it is through it. You got to start with honesty. Here's what else we learn from Joseph. He was honest about his pain. He was honest about his past, but he also learned to have a different perspective about things. There's an unescapable piece of Joseph's story is how he saw things in his past. Uh, Listen to this. This comes from Genesis 39. This isn't what we read this morning, but you can't miss it if you're reading about his story. Now look at here. This is when Joseph is in prison. Go ahead and put it up on the screen, guys. Genesis 39. And it says this here. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. There's at least five other references in the story of Joseph for how the Lord was with him. I don't know about you, but would any of you write that biographical line about your life? And while I was in prison, falsely accused of rape and losing my life as sand through my hands, the Lord was with me. What an incredible perspective that Joseph had. We have bought into the false paradigm. I'm not sure if it's Western culture or American culture or whatever it is that tells us that we're blessed by God if good things are happening and good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people and bad things aren't supposed to happen to good people. And if you follow God, bad things won't happen to you. The scriptures... Do not say that anywhere. But instead, they're full of people who have faced struggle and difficulty with the help of a holy God of love. And so Joseph is able to say, while he was there in prison, the Lord was with him. 
showed him kindness, had granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Often when I'm meeting with people as a pastor, um, some of what I do is I preach, some of what I do is I lead, some of what I do is I counsel people and I pray with people. And oftentimes when people come to me with very painful things in the past, men, women, young, old, many of you have met with me to do some of this stuff, um, we'll pray through something painful in somebody's past. And we'll talk, we'll talk about how to think about it the right way, but then we'll often pray. And in a moment with the help of the Holy Spirit, what we'll do is I'll invite somebody to, okay, I want you to just picture in your mind's eye this moment where your pain comes from. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to show you where Jesus was in that moment with you. And let me tell you, God uses that. And often he'll show people where he was in a painful moment. Have you ever said, God, where were you? This is what he does. And the number one thing, and I've done this with hundreds of people, that he shows them over and over and over again is that in their painful moment, he reveals to them that he was with them. Sometimes it was protecting them. Sometimes it's grieving with them and weeping with them, and they just need to know that somebody was there in the pain too. Sometimes it's God taking it upon himself. There's all sorts of things that God does in this moment when people realize that in their painful moment, in their past, that they weren't abandoned by God, but God was always with them. Now, here's why this is important. This is important because if you begin to learn and see that God is with you, and God was with you even in the most painful moments of your past, the most painful moments of your personal history, you can have the perspective to begin from shifting blame onto God for what happened, but begin to seeing how God wasn't necessarily responsible for what happened, but for how God wants to work redemptively in what happened in your life. I want to show you a little bit of a diagram. We're going to have a little sermon alert here. I'm going to do a little bit of theology with you guys Unrepresentative, check out. Okay, good. Thumbs up. Great. Circle one represents our life. And in this circle, guys, it represents our free will. It represents our choices and the choices of others. All the things that make up our life and our past. What makes up our world. It's our own free agency, our will, our choices, the choices of others. It also represents the spiritual forces of evil that are work in our fallen and broken world. Our life is made up of so many different actors making their own choices for better or for worse. And on the other side, we have God's plan and God's goodness, which is different than what has made up our life. We know from Scripture that God does not plan evil, that God does not will evil or pain or suffering or death. Death is God's enemy, not his friend. All result, this is all the result of the fall and our sinful choices and consequences. And we know that God's ultimate purposes are at work. And God is ultimately working out his will through his sovereignty as expressed in his infinite intelligence. And this is not just God's plan that God wants to redeem the whole world, save the whole world, have his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is trying to restore the garden of Eden. It's not just his plan, it's his goodness. 
And when you see these two things, and when we learn to process our past like Joseph did, to face it with honesty, to face it with perspective, to understand that God was with me, he didn't cause this, he's good, he's with me in the pain, now then we begin to allow this beautiful overlap to happen. When we start to walk in the way that Joseph did, and start to process our past the way that Joseph did, there's this incredible healing overlap that can happen where God's plan and his goodness can begin to overshadow the pain and hurt and tragedy of your past with your family of origin or tragic circumstances you may have faced. We see this in Romans 8.28. It says this here. And we know that in all things, if you're taking notes, underline that. We're gonna have an underline on the screen. All things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, for the good of those who love him. And this is what we see in Joseph. That in all things, the good and the bad, God didn't cause it, but he's working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so guys went, oh, there you go. That's a ding from God. Okay. That's the Lord telling me to wrap it up. And so guys, here's just what I want you to know. We have honesty, perspective, and then lastly, when you begin to learn that this is what God does, this is what God began to do with Joseph and his life, and this is what God will begin to do with you in your life. If you love him and trust him, we lean into trust. God's not the author of your pain. God's not the author of your family tragedy. God's not the author of what was painful in your past. And when you begin to learn that, that he's with you in it, you can trust him right now to begin to do good. Here's the last verse we're going to look at. We're going to invite the band back on up. Genesis 50, 20. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We notice this in Genesis. At the very beginning of Genesis, there's a garden, there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and people made choices for evil. And what we see here redemptively in the very last chapter in the book of Genesis is that even in the choices that you have made, the choices your family have made, maybe the evil choices that others have made that were intended to harm you and bring evil against you, God can take even those things and because he is good, he can work it for good and bring redemption in our lives. So guys, here's my challenge to you. The band is going to lead us in a song. It's just called The Goodness of God. And this is going to be a prayerful moment. You're invited to stand and pray. You're invited to come down here at the altar. But we're just going to search our hearts. And we're going to offer our past to God and say, Lord, I acknowledge it with honesty I invite your perspective into my pain and what happened. And I'm choosing to trust you, not just for what happened before, but I'm choosing to trust you again, right here, right now. Would you pray with me? Lord, would you search our hearts? And would you help bring redemption and healing in our past like you did with Joseph? Would you do it right here, right now? In your name we pray, amen.